LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. We are back today with more questions and maybe some more answers. If we focus in, if we think about it, uh, once again, pastor has not seen any of these questions. So it's, it's just good to ask these questions on the fly. I love it. Right? Because I feel like the practical application that comes out of it is not something that we've just written down and said, hey, here's a good answer to this. It's really coming out of your life. It could be very dangerous. It too. could also be very dangerous, but it's way more fun this way. Yeah, it's no, way more fun why for, we for us <laughs> and hopefully for you as you're listening. Just to begin uh, today on the podcast, I do want to br- I want to bring up our uh, exciting LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network partnership. Yes, that tell we started. them about the network. Uh, we, we didn't ju- start it. We partnered. Yeah, we, we did not start <laughs> we did not it. Start we, this no, day. we just started partnering. Yeah, LifeWay was, was way before Replicate Podcast. Way before. And their podcasts are way more effective <laughs> than ours. But we did want to partner with some friends. And so we partnered with like six, seven podcasts that uh, we want to be friends with because they have great messages. We feel like we've got a great message and together we can reach more people. So We are friends with them. We are friends with them. And so we're excited about that. Each week we'll simply be talking about some additional uh, podcasts the, the people this week. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and talk about it now. We're talking about the podcast called Established Churches. Yes. EST is the logo. Yes. I like it. Est, it looks est, great. EST Churches. EST yes. Churches. And so we got some great leaders, Sam Rayner, Micah Fries, Josh King. These guys discuss churches. What is an established church? Do you know the definition? Uh, I think a church that's been established for a while. And, and how long? Uh, 80 years. The baseline is 10 years. What? 10 years or more is Come an established on. church. Because those guys are pastoring older churches. Like Mike is right. at Brainerd, where That's I used right. to pastor. Yes. And, and doing a great job there. But the church is 90 years old. Wow. So these are churches. Most churches are established churches. That, that are so what you're podcast. saying is the church planner... Who planted the church after ten he years? He can't say he's a church planner after. I always years. thought that. I always wondered and you know, that. But, but I do find it interesting. Yeah, we planted this church twenty years ago. Yeah. No, that's that, that's that is not a plant. From a plant <laughs> to an established church. So we don't know what we're talking about right now, but these guys do. So yes, check okay. out the established church podcast. Uh, these guys have some very great practical information. podcast. Love by the those way. Guys. practical pastoral and, podcast. Uh, but let's move into our questions today. So we we got through two. Uh, previously, uh, last time we did the Q&A podcast. So this time we want to get through at least two, maybe three. Let's maybe see. we can expand our horizons with three. I bet I have a way that we can get through three. But let's start with one today. We get this a lot of the time, and I think you struggle with this, so you have some uh, some great insight on it. A lot of people think, man, why can't I do two groups, maybe mm. three? Oh, yeah. do, I, do I have to limit myself to one group of people? I mean, especially staff members. Staff members are like, wait a second. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially my job to be making disciples. Should I not be leading three, four, five? Why can't I lead a group every day? I've heard uh, that. I've actually heard <laughs> we that. We heard yeah. that recently at the you're conference. Right, you're, right. you're right. So I, I think the question is, why limit ourselves to maybe just one group? Mm. That's a great question. Okay, so I'm speaking from experience here of trying this myself. Because what happens is, you get so overzealous. You know, you start, you start. You, you get so overzealous? Well, sometimes. Sometimes I get pretty worked. <laughs> the coffee is kicked in. So I'm, I'm actually, 
I'm actually more engaged. Yeah. But uh, what happens is you get more overzealous with discipleship. Right. You start your first group. You're like, where has this been all of my Christian ministry? I'm just telling you, if you haven't done it, we've all been there. Most people that talk negatively about discipleship have never been in discipling Absolutely relationships. True. That's the reality. But the people who have, like those listening and many of those listening would say, man, I'm ready to do another group. I mean, yeah. I've got a group of three to four, five guys. I want to right. do another group. And then you do another group. And if you're like me one year, you do three groups. Ooh. I had what was called <laughs> Discipleship Wednesday. Oh, okay? wow. It was at Brainerd Baptist. I started the, I started at uh, 12 o'clock with my first group. It was a lunch group. Okay. We went out and met for about an hour and a half for lunch. I would come back to the office. At 1.30, I would start the next group. They were in the office waiting. We would meet from 1.30 to about 3. Then I would go take a break, finish up you know, at the office, go home, come back, do a night group from 6.30 to about 7.45, wow. 8. And I did that every Wednesday. And Chris, it wore me out. I mean, it was great. What, 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 let's get specific here because one of the things that we talk about when we talk about discipleship is you're reading the same plan. So you're not doing extra preparation for these groups. It's the same reading plan. It's the same here journals. On the preparation side, you're not having to do more. So that's why no. it kind of tricks you into thinking, man, I could do several of these. So well, what is the issue? That's there? a great point. Let me clarify. The groups themselves were not taxing. Right. In fact, once I led the first group, the other two modeled the first. Yeah. So I literally, like a parrot, I was you know talking and asking. It this seems a- like I said this a couple times. Yeah. Now. And listen, by the third group, though, that last group of the day, man, I knew right. I knew the questions. I anticipated right. the answers. I was man, on that it. was the best group of the day. Oh, man. The first group, not so much. The last group, golly, they got it. But what happened was it wasn't just the hour, hour and a half I was meeting with them. It was the rest of the week, the other six days of, hey, my life's falling apart. Hey, can we meet for coffee? Or what do you think about yeah. this? Or the text group that we were talking to or the uh, encouraging times or the marriage counseling. Right. It was everything else that came with the group. And here's what I felt like. Could I do three groups? Absolutely. Can a leader on staff, pastor do three? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But what happens is it becomes taxing. And I think you're actually taking away from some of the other groups because you can't give them your undivided attention because you spread yourself too too thin. So it's really the relational side of things. And when people begin to do discipleship groups, the very first thing I notice, and I think a lot of people notice is we immediately want to tie discipleship groups to what a Sunday school or small group experience in the past has been. So we're thinking we got to prepare. We got this lesson. We got to teach. Uh, we need to be prayed up. We need to be to read up, which those things are true. You need to be prayed up. You need to read up. But ultimately, you're not going in to teach an hour long lesson. So when people get into the mode of this, they're like, OK, I'm just I'm having my quiet time. I'm journaling. I'm memorizing scripture and I'm sharing that with other people. You realize that, hey, I'm just living the Christian life and then people are holding me accountable. Why can't I multiply that? But what you're saying is it is in those deeper relationships that we often don't have in our biblical community groups that we often don't have on a Sunday morning listening to a sermon together that we not, don't necessarily have when we go on mission uh, trips with other people or etc. But in this environment, you are going to be pressing into these individuals' lives and that is ultimately going to weigh on you because you are bearing their burdens, helping them out. They're bearing your, you're, you're talking through some things, you're dealing with issues. If you take 15 of those people and try to do that, that is a, uh, a massive number. Well, and here's the thing, it, like you said, it lures you in the thinking. It's really simple because let's be honest, the yeah. group is really simple to lead. And for those who are still on the bench and you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you're like, ah, this sounds great, but I don't think I could do it. Yes. Uh, number one, you're wrong. 
okay? With all due respect, you can do this. You can, and I say that with you can do it. I say that with the love of Christ, of course. But you, yes. you're wrong, but because you can do it. Yes, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. You're 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 studying and, and teaching the Word of God and facilitating through the Word of God. Right, and you're doing the very thing Jesus commanded us to do: make disciples. So you can do this. And what happens is, if you get in this group and you start to realize it's not that hard to lead because right. I'm facilitating. Here's the question: Can you ask questions, Chris? Absolutely. You ask him every week. I'm doing that right now. You're doing it right now. Right. <laughs> As are you. As a, I just asked the question. Okay. Here's the thing. You're asking questions to the group. Hey, how was your week, Dylan? That was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know your scripture for the week? Okay. Let's go through the scriptures. Let's go around. Everybody got your scripture. Okay. Tell us what you heard in the word this week from God. Tell me what you heard, Chris. Okay. That's great. Why did you think that? Okay. Yeah. How does that apply to your life? Right. Okay. Now let's transition into, did you look at anything this week that would be immoral or hurt your relationship with the Lord or hinder your relationship with your wife? How can we pray for you? That's it. It's just basically you're facilitating questions right. in the group. So what that does is once you start doing it, you're lured into thinking, golly, yeah. I can do this way more times with many more people. One year took the cake. Okay. I don't think you know about this. One year I, I actually had a double whammy. Okay. I was not only discipling my staff. Yeah. I was not only discipling a group on Sunday night, but I was discipling what I called a super group. <laughs> okay. You ever heard of a super group? Uh, okay. I've heard of musical super groups. Okay. Uh, after, ABBA, for instance, is a super group. You right? ready for this? So after I did the year of the discipleship on steroids, which was the three groups on Wednesday, right. those groups were so good. You didn't learn enough through that. No, here's what happened. Oh, okay. Those groups were so good and uh, developed such close friendships with those guys. They said, man, we're not going to break the group up, are we? Oh, I said, well, no, we have to. Like, you have to the disciple. Yeah. They said, well, can we just stay with you for a season? And at the same time, we're discipling people. You continually disciple us and help us lead our groups. I said, that's a great idea. So I decided to combine all three groups. I had one group of nine guys and me. Wow. A super group. Yeah, that's that's not a discipleship group. No, that is I realized a, that is a on. life group. No, I realized early on <laughs> it was way too much. I had yeah. too many personalities in the room, no accountability. One guy hogged the it just got to be too much. Like three months in, I'm like, guys, I love you. You gotta go lead your groups. Yeah. Uh but I tried it. And here's the thing yeah. we gotta understand. A lot of the things we've learned in discipleship, Chris, right, we have tried and we've regrouped. Yes. Mistakes are opportunities to learn. There are no there are no failures in, in in discipleship. Mistakes are opportunities to make course corrections, and you learn what doesn't work. If you don't try it, you'll never right. learn. And the beauty is, as you've said many times, we paid the dumb tax. Uh, and so you, you look at those experiences, you think maybe they weren't the best, but now you can share that as a great answer as to why we try to say, hey, don't lead more than one group. Can you? Yes, you can. But can you be as effective as a disciple maker doing it? And I would say the answer is no. And that's as evidenced by people who have done this like you for a decade and, and would say it's more wise to just start with one lead one. Are there seasons where maybe you shift to two perhaps, but ultimately one is going to be the bandwidth of your relational capital. Uh, one of the questions I want to ask real quick, because I don't think we're going to get to three. So I'm going to throw a quick one in there, an easy one. You're currently drinking cherry Coke zero. Yeah. Coke cherry zero. I'm not sure if it's Coca-Cola cherry. Zero. Here's the question. I'm watching you drink it. I like Coke zero. I'll, you know, Dylan's it, drinking a cherry. Coke Dylan zero all, too. He was the one who ordered these cherry. Coke I'm zero loving though. these. I just realized us. we had them. I may have made a mistake by introducing you to it. I, I didn't even know we had these until you made but me a bit, the question, uh, aware of. Is it good? 
The Cherry Coke Zero. Yes. It's amazing. So the second question, follow up. That way we can get four covered. So that was question two. Okay. It is good. Cherry Coke Zero. Uh, question is, is it better than cher- than just Coke Zero? Who? Um, that's a tough one. Because I love Coke Zero. You uh, know that. Pro- if I'm going to drink a soft drink, that's generally now, what I'm going to go with. If you ask those who are aspartame, uh, yeah, aspartame is against not aspartame. We do not support aspartame or the use of it in any soft drink. Yeah, no. Th- thanks for the disclaimer because that's the truth. But the the thing is, we do we do ingest it. Is we it don't support it. Aspartame or aspartame? We're gonna need to go to our fact checker. I don't that. know. We, we had this problem years ago with mathematics, mathematics. and mathematics. I say aspartame, but it may be aspartame. And you know, I, told, no, I was problems. training this previous week okay. and I told the folks there, you know, language creates culture. Language is important. Words are critical. Right. And I told them as, a, as an illustration, the word pralines. I used to say pralines. Right. But then you corrected me. At Starbucks one time. At Starbucks we were at one Starbucks time. one time. And the actual word was pralines. That's the pronunciation. I told no, this group, pralines. you know what the group said? No, you're wrong. No. And they're just going to keep saying it wrong. Yeah, no, but we looked it up in the line at, at Starbucks and it corrected the praline. girl. Yes. It's not praline. That's right. And she was telling she was selling a product with praline in her. Yeah, so we, but we know her. it's praline. Question is, is it aspartame or aspartame? The answer is aspartame. Oh, you got me on that. Aspartame. See, I got you on the mathematics. You got me on that one. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I think it's it's one to one. No, it's two to one. You got me on pralines and mathematics. Yeah, I got you on two. Okay. So it's one, one quick two. question before Moving we go. Moving on to, no, we got time. No, we got, we, we've got ample time now for one more solid question. Okay, go. I was about to say, uh, hopefully that wasn't the last question. <laughs> <laughs> before we do that, just a reminder for those interested in training like this Ooh. that can be taken to the next level. Yes. So we've ju- we launched our cohort a few years ago, a smaller group that came on site. We got to hang out with them, talk about the very same types of things we're talking about on the podcast, but obviously to a greater degree, because we're in person, we're hanging out, you and see coaching, and we coach them. And, and it's coaching. Yeah, it goes beyond, hey, you're listening right now, but then what are you going to do with this? Yeah. A lot of times you'll have more questions than answers at the end of this type of thing. And that's just the way it is. So what we've decided is we, we met with some people that are like, if you want to scale this and take it to a wider audience, if you want to get more people involved, you need to take it online. So we've made the decision to go online with a replicate cohort starting January 9th, 2019 you will be able to join us in the replicate cohort every month pastor robbie will be teaching something you'll be able to to uh, tune in from your your couch from your office from your your home office from your car if you want to just don't be driving when you do it that would be taking notes that'd be tough or taking yeah or don't take notes so so he will teach something each month and then a smaller group will uh, collectively come together in your area of ministry so if you're a student pastor other student pastors will be teamed up with you in that network group led by a student pastor here from long hollow so the beauty is implementation beyond the teaching and training Awesome, awesome, awesome teaching and training, much like what we have on the podcast, but even more so because you'll be able to visualize and see and then taking that and implementing uh, what you're learning with that smaller network group that you're connected to. So replicate.org slash cohort if you're interested. Now let's look at our next and final question for the day. It's a big one. Mm. It's a tough one. Oh boy. What happens if our groups are not multiplying? We launched discipleship groups. We did everything you told us to do, and we get to the end of the year, and our group just wants to stay together. All of our groups are like, we love this so much, we want to keep doing this, and we're having a difficult time getting our people to buy into uh, going and finding their three to five. And even our leaders who are leading the groups, they, they love it so much, they're like, I don't want to go find three to five more. I love this group. Okay. How do we help people whose groups are not multiplying? Okay, let me say this. <laughs> If at the end of the time of one year together with a close group of people, your group does not want to stay together, then you have a problem. 
like 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 at the end of a year, if the group's saying, oh, I'm ready to leave, then you might have messed up along the way. Because what happens is you have just spent a year of your life with some friends now who yeah. you've journeyed with, you've had highs, you've had lows, you've read the Bible together with, you've memorized scripture. They become some of your closest friends. Why would you ever want to mess that up? I know. Why would you? I mean, why would you? Why would you? I mean, that's the greatest friendships you have. This is the greatest. I think you're arguing on the wrong side of this question. No, I know that, but I'm setting the question (laughs) up. I'm setting the question up. (laughs) Everything in you wants to stay together. Mm -hmm. So, but what here's what you got to remember the group was never about you just learning information, the group was about you empowering, being being empowered by the information to pass the information on. Yeah. So the saying we, we use a lot is the gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. The whole mindset of, of discipleship is replication. There has to be a continuation of the replication of the information right. or it's just it's just information. If you don't do anything with it, you don't apply it, you don't pass it on, it's just, right. inf- and so what I would say is groups never want to replicate Chris they never going to want to replicate yeah the disciples didn't even want to replicate I mean think about this at the end of Jesus's ministry when Jesus is ejected into the spiritual heavenly places Acts chapter 1 the disciples are still looking up in the sky and the angels have to come down and say hey get on with it time to go boys go make disciples you know they're still looking men of Galilee go make disciples right so even the disciples had a problem but until the mentor becomes a mentee yes the mentor has to become a mentee or a player becomes a coach right so what I would say is there's two things we do Uh, one on the front end one toward the back end okay here's what you need to remember what you expect on the front end from them is what you hold them to on the back end Okay, Mm -hmm. so you kind of lay the ground rules on the front with expectations. Yeah, we get every group to sign a covenant. The covenant is found at the back of growing up. You can, Mm -hmm. I mean, you can find these online, but we've got them on the website as well. If you go to replicate.org and just search for uh, growing up appendices, yeah, just search for covenant. So the covenant we have is basically uh, six questions, six statements. I'm going to commit to meeting every week, I'm going to commit to uh, come prepared, I'm going to keep confidentiality, right? Yes. The last line says this, I will prayerfully consider replicating the group with someone else or a group of people at the end of my time together. Mm. Most people, Chris, will push back and say, I didn't come for that. Yeah. Like I didn't come to to lead a group. I came to be in a group. And you say, that's okay. I want you to pray about it, Chris. Yeah. Then a month or two out, normally two, when you're in your group, you start preparing them for the groups they're going to lead. And what we do is we put names on a board and I list my name first, and then I put their names, and then I start listing the people that I've been praying about being in my group, and we list names. So you'll say, hey, this is a guy I've been sharing the gospel with at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, This is uh, somebody I met at Starbucks. This is my neighbor. He needs to be in a group, he's on church. And so you start putting these names down. We pray for two weeks over the names. Then after praying for two weeks, then we go approach these people. Hey, would you be interested in meeting once a week, study the Bible, we're going to memorize scripture, be better husbands and fathers. Would you be interested in that? Yeah. You'll be surprised how many people say, yeah, I'm dying for that. Hmm. And then we pray over the names toward the end of the meeting time and we ask God to bless the groups. We have a kind of a ceremonial service. We get up, we, we hug it out and we say, God bless you launch your groups. Now, are we still friends with these guys? Absolutely. Yeah. They're some of my closest friends in the church. But now they become kind of Barnabas peers right. and not Timothy disciples sure. because now we're all leading groups together. And one of the things I tell folks when we're training is you can still be friends with anybody. 
You don't that's have true. To, that's you true. don't have to, don't have to be in the group for an hour a week, and they can still be in your life group, your small group, your Sunday school class. Yeah. So it's not like you're. Uh, removing this person from your life. That's true. But if we don't go and make disciples, then we're back in the same place we were when we started this process. We need to see multiplication happen. We want to see multiplication happen. And we've been commanded by Christ to make the multiplication happen, right? Well, and thank God the disciples didn't have that mindset because they had every reason to stay in that first century group. That's true. But thank God we're the beneficiaries of their investment years before. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.